is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 239, recorded Wednesday, November 11th, 2015. Yes, sir, it is. And we are here to do our feedback. Read all the feedback for The Walking Dead Season 6, Episode 5. We're going to read back the feedback. Oh, that's good. Why haven't we ever said that before? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You should be our slogan writer. Well, I wrote, holy crap, did you see that? Yes, that's what I mean. Like, you come up with all the best stuff. stuff. Read back the the feedback. I like that. And by stuff, you mean the thing. The The the, best thing. The best thing you say. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's good stuff, man. Um, uh, I, I Just before we get started, though, I do want to remind everyone that uh, just in case there are any fans of Ash vs. Evil Dead out there, I am on a new podcast all about that TV show. And you can find out more at podcastica.com and look up their show, Ash, uh, the Evil Deadcast, just Evil Deadcast. Uh, and I'll be on there with Jason from The Walking Dead cast and Rich, or his friend Rich. So if you're watching that, and I highly recommend you do if you're uh, into, I don't know, Evil Dead or just f- hilarious good TV. Or, <laughs> or watch TV. Yeah, that's what I mean. If you watch TV, you should watch Ash vs. Evil Dead. Uh, not if you're um, put off by gore, though. It is right. really gory. Is it? But in an amazing way. It's all, that's, it's all I can say. Uh, all right, let's uh, get into our feedback. We have lots of it for this episode, but you can't do any feedback without doing this. Listener feedback. Because how would anyone know when it's supposed to start then, right? Well, yeah, bumpers are uh, very, very important. They are, especially in radio and podcasting and on bumper cars. And on bumper cars and on <laughs> regular cars. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. <laughs> bumpers are good. Bumpers are good everywhere. Everywhere. All right, our first email comes from Gareth in Germany. Gareth writes, Holy crap, did you see how Rick entered the episode like a real hero boss? I'm happy with the decision so far not to show his escape from the RV, and I'm assuming he ran nitrous oxide speed through half that herd uh, to get back. What a legend. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, we What were we saying last last time that we just don't need to see Rick escape from this kind of thing anymore because it's almost assumed that he will? Yes. So, yeah, I, I figured that he would, it would be an easy escape. So I'm, I'm also happy with the fact that they didn't show it. They just glossed over it. It was a non-issue. Yeah. I mean, they could have spent an entire episode on him escaping and then getting back, but we just don't really, really need that. We're I, This season is... Moving um, like actual time passing at a very slow rate, even mm-hmm. though some of the episodes feel very quick, not a lot of time has passed. So if we spent all this time seeing Rick get out of that RV and get back, it would be even less time, I guess, because we just keep going back and seeing what people are doing. So far, it's been what, 45 minutes? Like a Yeah, like a day, not even. We've seen no, it. like the 45 minutes it took for the, uh, the, the wolves to attack. And, um, yeah, maybe a couple of hours total well, like from the beginning when they got up and decided to go and check out the, uh, the quarry. Right. From when they decided to go check out the quarry, then all that happened. The wolves attacked while they were gone. We've seen the night, like the night later, because uh, Deanna was walking around at night, remember? Oh, yeah. Okay. So the, this, it's all the same day. That's for sure. Yeah. Like 12 hours, you know, 14 hours most. So yeah. not a lot of time has gone by. 
So he's been running at nitrous oxide speed. Does that mean he was laughing the whole way? Because isn't nit nitrous oxide the laughing gas that the dentists use? Well, is that the same stuff when you inject? It is into your into whatever into your engine to make you go faster. Yeah, I think it's the same stuff. So I assume that he was running really fast, laughing the whole way. <laughs> well, he didn't look like he was laughing, and I'm not sure <laughs> laughing would be appropriate in his situation. Yeah, well, it's nitrous oxide it makes you go fast and laugh. That's right. All right, so next we have an email from Simon in Radelaide, Australia, not Austria. Sounds right. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, the drama with the RV, RV was not that Rick had to escape the walkers, but rather that he had failed in his mission to lead the break-off herd away from Alexandria with the RV. Thus, no need to have a dramatic escape scene. Right, so the problem was just that, uh, as Simon said, he failed his mission. Simon said. Simon says. He sure does. Uh, and and not that he was stuck there, right? So yeah. th this is more sort of about Rick's emotions and how he feels about not being able to really, really execute his, his perfect plan here. Right. So And hopefully he picked up that jar of baby food to bring back too, because it would be very upsetting if he, if he didn't bring that back with him. You know, the baby food, apparently it was a jar of Aaron's applesauce. Which is, to be fair, very similar to baby food. Uh, but it's one more thing that Aaron lost, right? He lost his pack oh. with the pictures and the applesauce. Oh, that makes more sense. And that's why the wolf had it. I see. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Chris in the UK writes, Setting aside the obvious point that you can't be high octane all the time, you have to get from one crisis point to another. It can't be... It can't all be crisis points. The real answer here is one you gave on your show and then seemed to retreat from. Or at least, you applied it elsewhere but didn't see it applies here too. You can't dismiss either this or last week's episode as a waste of time until we've seen the whole picture. And by that I mean as far as the mid-season finale. But there may even be some matters that pay off even uh, later than that. I'm fairly sure next week we will just be Abraham, uh, Sasha, and Daryl, but that brings us fully up to date, so I'd expect serious forward movement in episode seven. That's a good point, Chris. Well, yeah, and I think, I, I mean, we did say that, that you, you do have to, or at least I did, you have to consider the whole, uh, it's better to consider the whole season all at once rather than <laughs> complain about individual episodes, but yeah. that's sort of what we do here. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mean complain, but we do look at one episode at a time and watch how the season develops, right? So as you're doing that, sometimes you have a reaction that's might change once you've seen all eight or all 16 episodes. Yeah, that's true. And I, re I remember my first drum instructor, uh, one of the points of wisdom that he gave me that I've carried throughout my life that I seem to have forgotten here is that if you accent everything, you accent nothing. Yeah. So if everything's a highlight, nothing is a highlight. That's right. So, uh, yeah, it's a very good point, Chris. Uh, thank you for uh, bringing us back to that. All right, next we have, have an email from Miles in San Francisco. Wow, I thought I was going to like this episode because of its lack of action, but I must say that they did a good job of moving the story forward. I felt like this wasn't a typical filler episode and that we learned a lot about how Alexandria is rapidly changing. I'm happy we, happy we got a lot of character development without killing anyone off right away. So people's opinions of this one are all over the place, really. Um, this, I mean, to a lot of people did feel like just filler and the criticism was, why do we care at all about all these secondary or tertiary characters in Alexandria? 
But at the same time, if you consider Alexandria as a community and not a bunch of individual people, you know, the community, there's a feeling to the community and there's, there's definitely a, um, sort of a, um, well, a feeling amongst everybody, right? And that's yeah. kind of what we were getting here in this episode more with the food stealing and uh, people losing faith in their ability to do their jobs and things like that. So I think that's that's an interest, a good way of looking at it. And it does add a little bit more to this episode, I, I think. Yeah. So again, don't be so dismissive, us, you and me. <laughs> us? <laughs> we shouldn't be so damn dismissive. There you go. <laughs> Uh, coming up next is Josh in Dudley, England. Josh writes, first we get a whole episode just about Morgan, and now a character episode for the less important Alexandrians. Where is Glenn? Parts of this episode were complete waste of time, in my opinion. Nothing was achieved. They started, surra- they started surrounded by a herd of walkers 20 deep and ended surrounded by a herd of walkers 20 deep. The only good thing that uh, came out of this episode was that Maggie is pregnant. Hey, at least Judith will have someone to play with. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I guess. And Judith seems to be aging slower than everybody else. So when the new baby's born, they won't be so far apart in age. That's right. And eventually uh, in uh, 80 or 90 years, they'll be pretty much the same age. Pretty much. Exactly. You won't yeah. even notice the difference then. Exactly. Uh, and Carl is aging faster than everybody else because that's what teenagers do. Yes, babies also age faster than everybody else, I would think. Well, yeah, but not Judith. Not Judith. No, she's taking her time. Very much so. All right, next we have Justin in Southern California. A minor point, but in defense of the stormwater pipe through which Aaron and Maggie exited Alexandria, I'd like to note that when I was growing up in Southern California, my friends and I would ride our skateboards through the stormwater pipes under the streets of our neighborhood. Uh, We were standing up on our boards, and while I was shorter than I am now, I'm pretty sure those pipes were about five feet tall. I don't know. I mean, this is in response to a listener from uh, last podcast saying how there's just no such thing as giant stormwater pipes like that. Who knows? I I know of some uh, culverts and stuff like that in a park nearby me that are pretty big that you could walk into if you wanted to, but that's different than, I think, what Maggie and Aaron were going through, so... I don't know. Maybe it, it's it changes wherever where from where you are. You know, right. and look at uh, look at Die Hard Three. They drove dump trucks through those stormwater pipes that they were uh, that they were building. I'm not sure I've ever seen Die Hard Three. You've never seen Die Hard Three? Well, I know where... I've seen one and two. Well, you should see three because three, and then after that, just stop. Just like no more forward motion on Die Hards. But you should at least see the first three. Which one had Kevin Smith? I saw that one. Was that number four? How many have there been? Four or There's five? Been five. Okay. Well, I saw the one. So the with first Kevin two Smith. are Christmas movies. The third one takes place in the summer in New York. Yeah, that doesn't sound familiar at all. Well, that's okay. Well, yeah, it's neither here nor there. But watch <laughs> that. And the stormwater pipes—they drove big jump trucks through them. Weird. Yeah. Well, it was built. They were building a whole thing, a water system. Okay. Well, maybe uh, maybe newer pipes are getting bigger, and older ones are tiny. Well, it could be. I don't know. Not a, not a sewer expert. Uh, but thank you, Justin, for writing in. Next is Jessica in Long Island. I had to write in because I'm starting to feel really bad for Lauren Cohan. Now was the second time in as many seasons that she was required to perform an emotional payoff scene that lacked the necessary narrative investment to make it effective. Last season, 
we had the Beth death debacle with Maggie's breakdown at seeing Daryl carrying the limp body of the sister she had only just recently remembered to care about. This season, we had her I'm pregnant scene, which should have been heartbreaking and would have been if we knew Glenn was dead. Instead, the way producers are handling Glenn's death, in quotes, takes away from the emotional impact of the scene. Cohan has not been given much to do, and it's a shame that uh, what she has been doing is not as effective as it could be. Hmm. Is this a problem, do you think? Like, I, we talked a lot about Maggie and her seeming lack of interest in, in her sister last season. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes right down to it, Beth is killed off, and Maggie is supposed to be just emotionally distraught about it, which she should be. It's her sister, but the lead up to that didn't really indicate that that's where we were going. Right. Yeah. And now we have the same sort of thing here, but it's, it's different because there's nothing really in the show that has messed up, um, Maggie's sort of relationship to, to Glenn. Right. Uh, it's more the fact that we, as the audience, no one seems to believe that Glenn is dead. (laughs) Right. Including Maggie now. Well, including Maggie, yeah, she's she she doesn't think he's dead, but I mean that's a different thing, right? We're talking real world versus TV world, and if the audience believed that Glenn was dead, it might be more impactful when we see Maggie sort of break down and be pregnant and all that stuff. That's true, but she's true. but you know we we're not, so we have to take a step back, and at the end of the season, we will reassess yeah. everything and see how we feel then. See, we look back at last season and see, uh, you know, the relationship between Maggie and uh, and Beth as a debacle. Uh, let's hope that next season we don't look back on uh, Glenn's uh, apparent death or actual death as a debacle. I really, really hope not. Um, but what we will do is go back and try to say the Beth's death debacle five times fast. Beth death debacle. That's pretty Only tough. saying it once. Yeah, because that's all you can do. All right, next we have a uh, we have a Wendy in West Virginia. A Wendy in a West Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> Emailing in. <laughs> Just thinking about Maggie and Glenn's baby. I hope she's a boy for Judith. Otherwise, Judith's teenage years are going to be very lonely. Baby, babies are rare in the zombie apocalypse. Judith, as a teenager, would, would have been the only one her age. Now she will have a friend and maybe a future partner. Ooh, fancy. I think that's, uh, that's true, but I don't think we, uh, you know, we don't have to count on gender. It still could be a a friend and or partner. That's true. I mean, unless you're worried about repopulating the earth. Yeah, repopulating the earth. Uh, prob- well, yeah. That's you. You need different genders for that. I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah. I, I I don't know. I would. Do you think this show will? Let's say you know Maggie has a a baby, boy or yeah. girl. Let's and let's say let's say and. You know, we are still watching this show in 15 years, 16, 17 years of, uh, of TV time. Uh-huh. And, and her baby's now a teenager and Judith is a teenager and Carl's like 68. And like, do you think we'll still be watching this show then? No, uh, I don't think the show is going to last that long. And if you look at the, the shows that do last that long, have complete either a complete rollovers in uh, in characters mm-hmm. like the the cast and characters are completely different than when they started. Yeah, uh, I'm thinking of Coronation Street. I'm thinking of Law and Order that lasted 20 seasons, uh, or 
they maintain status quo like the Simpsons, uh, where nothing changes. And the Simpsons is the odd man out in that regard because they can do that being a uh, an animated series. Right. Yeah, they could. So they can. in 20 years, there's or 17 years or what have you, uh, either A, the show is going to be long gone, uh, you know, seven seasons and a movie kind of thing, or the whole 17 years in the future, zombies aren't going to be a problem anymore either, really. Because, you know, 18 or 19 years of uh, dealing with a single situation, people get their shit together and uh, learn to adapt and survive. So the walking dead are not going to be a problem in 17 years. So the show can't last that long. Right. The only problem is everyone who continues to die becomes a zombie, but you presumably can deal with that pretty easily. Yeah. So no, I think society is going to be relatively back up and running by that time. So we're not going to have a show. So there's no way. Essentially. All right. All right. What if they skip ahead in time? Well, that'd be, that'd be great. Except it's the same thing. It's, it's, uh, the, the problems they have now will be long in the past and have disappeared, so it doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. So if we skip 17 years into the future, we could make the show sort of like a hybrid between uh, The Walking Dead and, let's say, Nashville, where uh, everybody's a country singer. <laughs> and it's just daytime television kind of drama. I've never watched Nashville, <laughs> but now I might. It's daytime television. It's basically country singers where uh, either you're up or you're down. When you get your your shit together, then you start, you're on pills or uh, you're being screwed over and you make a lot of money, but then you lose a lot of money. It's uh, it's very daytime television drama. All right. From what I I hear from my wife. Right. From what you hear. So (laughs) throw in some zombies and you have a, you got a show on your hands there. You got a show. Yeah. All right. Next is Charles in New Orleans. Holy crap. Did you see those sewer zombies? Soon they'll have to rename the show to be The Walking Skeletons. Yeah. (laughs) All the flesh dissolves away and you're left with a skeleton. Which can't move. Uh, It has has no muscles. Yeah. It has no muscles. So they they wouldn't be walking. They would just be, well, there wouldn't be anything because the brain would rot. Yeah. Well, there's probably some question there. We don't really know what happens over a long period of time. We still need the, you know, a dead brain still needs to be intact, right? We know that from how they kill zombies. Yes. So what happens when the brain uh, rots to the point where it's no longer intact? Yeah. You don't have a zombie anymore. I, I, I would assume that's the case, but we haven't seen that happen yet. Even in other zombie mediums related to The Walking Dead or not you know, where much more time has gone by, the zombies still survive, even though, you know, it's maybe years in and they're rotting away. But I don't know, maybe something about being a zombie keep prevents you from rotting totally. Sweet. So well, you, you could, you could use that, like scientifically figure out why that is and then apply that to humans to live forever. That'd be great. Yeah. All right. All right, next we have uh, an email from Mike in Panama City, Florida. I was looking forward to finding out what happened to Glenn, but now that we don't know, I kind of hope they don't reveal anything at all until the first episode of the next half of the season. Or better better yet, if they never show him again, and two or three seasons down the road, he miraculously appears out of nowhere alive and well. How mad will you be if three years go by and we're on season eight or nine or ten and we haven't seen Glenn since season six, and then he shows up again. Uh, I mean, there is no chance I, I don't of this think happening. I'd be, 
no, of course not. But I don't think I'd be mad. I think I'd be excited. I think it'd be, oh shit, Glenn's back. Like, where's he been for five years or whatever? Stuck under a dumpster. <laughs> Drinking his own urine. My leg was caught. <laughs> right. I couldn't get out. Eventually the zombies walked away. I had to eat all the zombies and that's how I eventually got out. And guess what? Now I'm immune because I ate all the zombies. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's not a bad idea. You should try that. Yeah, somebody should try that. Well, I think this is a crazy idea, Mike. Uh, we'll obviously find out something coming up probably before the mid-season finale. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, they they don't typically make someone's death ambiguous and then bring them back years later. If they're going to do an ambiguous death... You're going to find out what's going on sooner Days rather than later. Days of Our Lives, later. they do. Well, this is not Days of Our Lives. <laughs> and I've never, I've never watched Days of Our Lives. <laughs> Me neither, but I'm pretty sure that uh, since they make fun of daytime television in that way where people die and come back all the time, that it's, you know, it's not unprecedented in uh, television. No, I, gu- I guess not. Um I just hope they don't do it here. But this, I mean, that would have to be like, uh, it was all a dream or a hallucination. Now, having said that, a lot of people out there think that maybe Glenn is still standing on top of that dumpster and the whole thing was a hallucination. That I would be mad at. That I would be super pissed. But like brought on by um, stress of the situation, right? He's. It seems like all hope is lost. He starts to lose it a little bit. His buddy standing in front of him just blows his brains out. And, you know, everything goes into slow motion. And then he hallucinates everything. So he emotionally, emotionally falls off the uh, the dumpster right. and gets eaten. Right. And I would be so mad. I would be so I'm mad just at the possibility that that might exist. Well, it might. I mean. It better not. I, I think there are worse ways they could handle this. If, if if that's if it's a hallucination and he didn't actually fall off the off the dumpster, I might have to rage quit the show. Oh, you can't. You can't rage quit the show. <laughs> okay. Let's hope it doesn't okay. come to that. Fine. If you rage quit the show, you still have to show up here twice a week and listen to me recap it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll still I'll still be on the <laughs> podcast, but I just won't watch the show anymore. <laughs> That'd be weird. That'd be weird. Uh, I'm just saying I think there are worse ways they could handle this, and I don't think they will. I. The more I think about it and the more time goes by, the more confidence I have in the fact that they will surprise us with something incredible here. I hope so. These are smart people. They know what they're doing. They must know. They must realize that, um, you know, the Internet has gone crazy. Now, I know they filmed everything already, but I'm saying they must have thought ahead and realized that people are going to be, you know, out of their minds over this. We better do something special for them. So I'm starting to think that they might have something awesome up their sleeve. I, I sure hope so. I just have a problem with the uh, with the statement, uh, they're smart people, they know what they're doing. The first part does not necessarily mean the second part. Well, absolutely. But and I'm, that's the part I'm worried about. Okay. But I'm saying that I think these are smart people, and I think they do, in fact, know what they're doing. Not maybe right. because they're smart, but I think both things are true. Okay. Let's, and Let's hope. Yeah, let's hope. That's that's it. And And the more I step back from the situation, or the more time goes by... I feel that way more and more. So, okay. What can you do? Um, is it me now? Yep. Brett on the internet writes in the one walker you were discussing who got away from Carol. The first thing that came to mind was the one who ran out of the armory after Carol shot him multiple times. They focused on the blood trail leaving the armory. 
As you mentioned, Carol was solid during the episode and killed every other walker she came across. So in my opinion, this has to be the mysterious wolf who hid under the porch and died and turned into the walker that Deanna stabs a few hundred times and Rick ultimately kills. That makes sense. Yeah, totally. The one That was the one wolf that got away, right? That she shot and he ran away and then she let go. So he probably hid, died, and that's why, uh, that's why you know, he was there. Um, Brett also had another interesting point in his email, which I wanted to bring up. Um, he mentioned that Deanna was carrying a whiskey bottle, or maybe it was the whiskey bottle that her son Spencer was drinking out of in the kitchen. And that's the one apparently that broke that she was stabbing the walker in the chest with. Yep. And he said that you could see on the bottle that it was called the Glen Edinburgh. And when the bottle was broken, it said just the Glen Eden. And that's awfully close to the Glen Enid. (laughs) So maybe there's a hint there. It's the name Glen. It's the name Enid. There's two of our characters. Maybe Enid shows up to help Glen. Who knows? Oh, that is very interesting. Enid's outside the wall. As far as we know, she took off. So, you know, it's probably just more trolling on the part of the people who make this show. But So Enid's going to ride in to save Glenn on the back of 20 turtles turtles and uh and just gloriously come out of the fog and uh very slowly come and make her way through the crowd to save glenn yes she will be the turtle hero yes i i don't know i could see it i just think it's fun that they put this in maybe it's a coincidence but i kind of think nothing is ever a coincidence on this show or things tv in general yeah in in general yeah all right, next we have Shannon in Louisville, Kentucky. The best thing in the episode besides Maggie and Aaron was Deanna. Wow, Tova Feldsha killed, in, killed it in this episode. Watching her careening emotional states, usually without a word being spoken, was fantastic. She lost one son, saw her husband murdered by a guy who she knew was trouble but ignored, and now her other son is blaming her for everything that's happened. That's a lot of pent-up emotion she's been bottling up. I know everyone was screaming at her to go for the head when that walker attacked her, and I was too, but I think once she got him down, it wasn't about killing the walker anymore. Some people seem to think that she didn't know how to kill a walker, but I think she was beyond thinking at all in that moment. That was pure grief and rage and guilt that she was venting, and it was amazing. It reminded me of Carol taking an axe to Ed after the Atlantic camp got overrun by back in season one. They were both big moments of catharsis, and I hope for Deanna it can make her into a real survivor. Yeah, so it's a big character moment for Deanna. And it's it would be crazy to think that she still doesn't know that you have to take, you know, take out the brain to kill zombies. So, you know, she obviously knows that, um, but she was really just raging against this thing and and everything that's gone on lately you know it was taking her taking out her pent-up emotions on this one poor zombie yeah no I, I think that's a that's a fantastic point and absolutely her her performance was great in this episode and it makes me a little more interested in Deanna to be honest with you like after reading that from Shannon I I haven't always been all that keen on the character for some reason well maybe because she she's always been sort of naive and, uh, but, but, you know, they've given her a little bit more to do here and this is a turning point for her, I think. Yeah. So a turning point for her and for me in my feelings towards her. 
That's good. Uh, next up is Matt in Minnesota. And Matt writes, a thought about Deanna grabbing the map and making her notes. In conjunction with the exchange she has with Rick, what I see happening is a transition to her filling her husband's shoes as the town architect or development engineer, and Rick, by invitation, taking over her spot as leader. She recognizes the evolving needs of the community. They still need food in in longevity, and scrounging the nearby towns is sure to run out. She can be useful by helping create a continuous food source. And that's why she was writing down like wheat and grain and alfalfa and yeah. stuff like that. So that's a, that's a good point, Matt. Yeah, she's taken over Reg's job, right? He was building walls, but he was sort of in charge of safety and things like that. So there's a new leader in town. There's a new sheriff in town. And so Deanna is reverting to a job that might be better suited to her anyway. Yeah, so things are shifting. Things are going to get better. If only they can get rid of those couple thousand zombies uh, surrounding the town. Yeah, that's going to be key <laughs> to this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. All right, next we have Tim in Seattle, Washington. Dry fire training is an excellent way to learn to shoot. A good instructor can correct your grip, stance, sight alignment, and trigger pull without needing to expend any ammunition. Most of the important parts of shooting a gun occurs just before the hammer falls, and the important part that occurs after the hammer falls can be assessed more easily without live ammunition anyway. I think Rick can can assume Ron understands which end is the business end. Gun safety can come later. Well... So this is this was us sort of asking why the first thing he would do is hand him a gun or or take the to the ammunition out of it and right. this makes a lot of sense to me. It does. I mean, it's not the way I was trained. I we had uh, lots of uh, in class discussions long before we ever got our hands on anything. But well, sure. In the real world, of course, you you do that kind of thing. It's like you have lots of in class lessons before you sit behind the wheel of a car for the first time, right? Uh, yeah. Well, most people who take driving lessons do anyways. Yeah. <laughs> I got the feeling you had a story there. <laughs> <laughs> Not one I want to tell. No, there you go. Um, and I'm sure with gun training, at least in Canada anyways, you know, you sat down in a classroom and talked about it a lot before you were ever handed one. In the zombie apocalypse, eh, I don't know. It's if more important to, you know, here, 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 take this. <laughs> take this. <laughs> You know, what are you going to do with it? Here's here's what you're supposed to do. Now that you've mastered that, here's some bullets. See what, yeah. see what happens. All right, Corey in Milwaukee writes, Rick is teaching Ron how to use a gun. Is that a good thing? Ron would have to have some resentment towards Rick for shooting his father. We've seen a couple of times now that Rick seems to be completely oblivious to this. Ron clearly still has some resentment towards Carl for hanging out with Enid, could Rick be teaching Ron skills that will eventually be used to kill Rick, or even worse, Carl? I would want to make sure Ron is more stable before teaching him how to use a gun. This seems to be yet another thing to add to the ever-growing long list of poor decisions made by Rick this season. Well, we will find out. Is Rick going to teach Ron to use a gun, and is that going to backfire on him badly? I don't think so. Honestly, I don't think so. I mean, it could, but... But are you are you sure they're not setting that up? Like in the same episode where Rick, of all people, hands Ron a gun and says, "I'll teach you how to use this," he goes and kisses his mom. Like, if, <laughs> oh yeah, is, you know, like is there? You think that's Chekhov's gun? Maybe you know. It's I'm gonna t- I'm gonna give you a weapon 
and then go make out with your mom, <laughs> and you decide what you're gonna how you're gonna, right, gonna kill this. your father. Yes. Then give you a weapon. Then go make out with your mom. And and you know exactly all that, and also tell you that you're you're not prepared. Lead a bunch of walkers to the gate, and yep. get a bunch of people killed. I think this this okay. could be something to have, this idea. Yeah, there might be something there. And I look forward to seeing how it plays out. Uh, yeah, me too, actually. All right, next we have Marty in the second mud hut on the left in Auckland, New Zealand. Can I just ask a question? Sure. Do you think Marty actually lives in a mud hut? No, I don't think Marty lives in a mud hut. Okay. I'm just wondering. Not if he's in Auckland. Well, you know, I don't know. I've never been to Auckland. I'm sure if it's a beautiful a, city. I'm sure it's a beautiful city, but I think that if we hadn't heard of the name of the town in New Zealand, it's possible he could live in a mud hut. But probably not in Auckland. Probably not in Auckland. Okay. I'm glad we cleared that up. <laughs> or I'm glad we made certain assumptions about Auckland. Yeah, well, I there's more sheep in New Zealand than people I heard once. There's more chickens in Canada than people. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah, well that I can see. There's probably so, a lot of more cows, too. There's a lot of cows up here. There's a lot of cows, a lot of pigs. That's for sure. Anyways, read yeah. Marty's email. All right. Uh, regarding Carl, you guys are right on the uh, on the button uh, that he's way too confident. Something's going to bring him down a peg or five, and I think that something is locked up in the basement. There's got to be a reason why Morgan call, uh, Morgan's caged wolf said, if I do get out, I'll kill everyone, even the children. Why specify children when everyone pretty much means everyone? I think the alpha wolf will get out and seriously injure Carl. This will have a triple effect. Carl gets taken down a peg. Dr. Smoochie Face will overcome her fear of losing patience when she saves him. And Rick will be super mad at Morgan for keeping a wolf in Alexandria. And there's your Rick Morgan friction for the season. So this is a, an, an entirely different angle on, you know, something bad is going to happen to Carl. <laughs> yeah. Um, so either Rick is giving guns to the wrong people and making out with their moms, and that's going to get Carl hurt, or... Uh, Morgan is keeping a wolf in the basement who's determined on killing children, and that's going to hurt Carl and make Rick upset. But um, this is all really great speculation, I think, by people, because both of these sort storylines or potential plots sound really awesome to me. And I, I hope they, you know, I hope, I'm not saying I hope Carl gets hurt or killed, but it's <laughs> they, they just both sound really great. And, you know, we'll have to see what we get, but I would be happy with either of these, it sounds like. Yeah, no, that, that, they both sound interesting. Definitely interesting. Uh, all right, next is Brian in Maryland. What if the wolf that Morgan has tied up escaped and killed Spencer? <laughs> the wolf could then just open the gate, since they never seem to guard it, and let all the walkers in. This would be the most chaos the alpha wolf could cause. It would also show that Morgan's philosophy is flawed, especially if you are part of a big community. Oh, I like this one too. So the guy escapes goes to the wall, goes to the gate and just opens it. Yeah, because nobody's there. Nobody's there, and uh, when they are there, they're too busy eating crackers or something. Maybe Eugene there. will be there. Oh, yeah, he hangs around the gate a lot, doesn't he? I think Eugene will be at the gate. We haven't seen him in a while, have we? Uh, so the, he'll have to kill Eugene, maybe? That sucks. I, I, if, I do not want Eugene to be killed. I love that character. I love Eugene. Me too. And the problem is... If you put Eugene in a room with Alpha Wolf, I hate to say it, but Eugene is not coming out of that room. He's just going to, he's going to pee his pants and then ask him politely not to kill him. 
probably in a weird, awkward, a socially awkward way. Yeah. And then the wolf is going to kill him. So I hope the wolf doesn't come face to face with Eugene because that's not going to end well. I would appreciate a negatory killing aspect to something like that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. That's good. Yeah. Uh, All right. Next up is Angie. Oh, that's me. I'm reading that one. Did I read the last one? You did. You read uh, Brian in Maryland. All right. I'm confused. You go. All right. So Angie in Birmingham. The one thing that stood out uh stood out with Jess with oh my god the one thing that stood out with Jesse's line if you don't fight you die that's exactly what Shane's standpoint was during their stay at the farm he said it a couple of times most memorably as he bust the barn door open right before the zombie massacre thought how that was interesting uh, though how it was interesting how naive we all were way back when to the point where we thought Shane was crazy dangerous but now four seasons later we know he was right it makes his death all the more tragic so after reading Angie's email I went back and watched the end of uh, that scene in season two yep and sure enough Shane uses that line almost verbatim if you don't fight you die and so that's come full circle, really. Yeah. And it is incredible how back then at the time, everyone thinks Shane is just a hothead who's overreacting and you have to have, and and it seemed much more logical to have um, some compassion and stuff like that back then. But now people and characters are coming around to this realization all the time and it doesn't seem so crazy at all. So I think it's really amazing that Angie picked up on this. The other thing is I think that scene with Sophia coming out of the barn might be the single best scene that this show has ever done. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. As, as the payoff to a storyline and you know, it was incredible watching it again. I knew exactly what was going to happen, but you know, it was almost moved me to tears watching it again. (laughs) No, that was, uh, that was really good. You know, I think it's probably the best scene that this show has, has done. And, uh, you know, who knows if they'll ever top it, but it, it was incredible. Anyways, it, it was fun to sort of see how characters now, uh, even Jesse, who's been stuck in Alexandria for all this time and not really aware of what's going on out there in the world. She's even she's come around to it. If you don't fight, you die mentality. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's it's a overarching theme that's run through six seasons of this show. And I think you know, considering it all like that, they've done a really good job of of making it run through and weave its way through all the episodes. Nice. It's good stuff. Okay, so now it's me, right? Yes. Alex in Sioux St. Marie, Michigan. That's, I'm, I'm from the Sioux. You're, well, I'm from Sioux, Ontario, but uh, yeah, right there. Right across the border, eh? Yeah, right across the river. You probably went down into, uh, did they call it the Sioux, Michigan, too? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Cool. I do. Well, but yeah, but you're well, from... I call it Sioux, Michigan. Sioux, Michigan. And you're from but I'm the from, Sioux, I'm from, Ontario. I'm from the Sioux in Ontario, but uh, they might call it uh, Sioux, Ontario. I don't know what they call it, actually. That'd be good. Alex, let me know what they call the Sioux in Michigan. I, we just call it Sioux, Michigan when we're... Uh, or we're going across the river. That's what, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of what people say. We're going across the river for some cheap beer. It's probably oh, going across the river for gas. Oh, cheap gas, It's for cheaper sure. gas and uh, cheaper cheese, which is weird. Oh, that's that's worth going across a river for. Anyways, Alex writes, With Alexandria surrounded by walkers, it seems hard to believe that whatever might remain of the wolves will strike again. 
This is the second letdown by major villains, with the Terminians being built up as far as they were, and then so easily defeated by Carol, and finished off by Rick a few episodes later. After their ingenious trap at the canning factory, and the raid on Noah's home, the Wolves' storyline feels as rushed as their straightforward attack on Alexandria, especially when compared to arcs like Woodbury or Brady Memorial Hospital. Have we seen the last of the Wolves as a pack? It's a good Maybe question. Not. I think we have, to be honest with you. You do, eh? Yeah. I think the wolves were this splinter group that we saw little hints of in previous episodes. They came along. They attacked Alexandria. Essentially were defeated, but they were used to um, portray Morgan's attitude to killing. And then the ones that did get away were killed by Rick anyways. So I think the wolves were used as a lead up to Morgan's pacifist attitude and Morgan's episode. Right. And now they're done. I will be surprised if we see them come back at all. I won't be. I think the wolves were just, uh, this particular group of wolves were sent in to wreak havoc. I think uh, the trap that they had set with all the the trucks and all the zombies uh, hanging, uh, I think that was a little too elaborate for this group. So there's a a bigger group that that does have some leadership and some, you know, planning abilities and they're not just a, a group of chaos people. That's right. Okay. We, this, this is a, a group of uh, the Joker's minions and the, uh, the Joker's still the mastermind behind uh, and he's running the show. So the Joker's still out there. The Joker's still out there. Which by definition means Batman is out there. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. Well, Batman might be in the wall, in the walls, right? Rick is Batman. Okay. Right? He probably is. Yeah. He's and uh Carl is Robin. <laughs> of or, course. No, Glenn is Robin. Damn it. Really? I don't know. <laughs> oh, don't forget. See, Glenn has to be Robin. Uh but then Robin dies. But who's Catwoman? Shown <laughs> Catwoman? Maybe. I don't know. All I know is that our <laughs> first emailer today called Rick a uh, real hero boss. And that 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 uh seems to be a description of Batman. Yeah. I've done the thinking on uh, how the, how this group of uh, survivors relates to Star Wars, but uh, I did not apply the DC Comics uh, universe overlay. So I'll uh, I'll work on that. Okay, think about that for the next few days and get back to us. All right. Uh, the only problem is the ninety percent of what I know about DC Comics comes from uh, either the movies or my friend Derek, and I uh, I haven't talked to Derek in in far too long. So uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on. Anymore. Call him up. I bet he watches The Walking Dead. He might not. Well, see if he does. I bet you he could put together a DC Comics, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman world for uh, 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 for this show. For us. For us, yeah. Because nobody else cares, that's for <laughs> nobody sure. Nobody else cares. All right, next we have Corey in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, USA. Hey, guys, as I listen to your recap podcast talking about Betsy and her suicide, I couldn't help but wonder, would she still have committed suicide if she had gotten the letter that David wrote to her and the one that Michonne didn't keep? I would think that having their handwritten note from David might have given her something to hold on to and possibly prevent her suicide. I thought Michonne was wrong for not keeping that note when she first when he first gave it to her. I still feel the same way. Dying words are always important in the Walking Dead world or in the real world. Yeah, and this just kind of makes me sad because David and Betsy seemed like a solid couple. And he got bit. He died. He tried to send her a message, but Michonne was like, nope, no message for Betsy. 
and now Betsy's killed herself. And so it's kind of a bummer. It is kind of a bummer. Right? So I agree with Corey. I think Michonne should have brought that note back. But at the same time, Michonne was trying to bring David back. So you can't do both. Right. And in fact, she did neither. (laughs) (laughs) See? So there you go. See what happens when you try and do too much? Yeah, it never works out. All right, next is Ronan in Ireland. What do you guys think of the possibility that the entire season six could take place over the course of just one day in the characters' lives? The chopped up timeline in episode one, the overlapping timelines of episodes two and three, and the flashback episode four and the slow and ponderous episode five has meant very little time has passed so far since the season began. So we already talked about how it's only been like 14 or 15 hours probably, but you know, what if we have three more episodes to go and it still is only 14 or 15 hours and it's one day in eight episodes? So the next two episodes have to take place at night? Not not necessarily. I mean, I'm pretty sure next episode we go back in time again. And oh, we yeah, see, that's true. We see what happens with Abe and Sasha and Daryl out on the road up until the night again. So we're going back to the day again. Yeah, okay. And then we've got two more and... Let's just say we're going to go back and find out what happens to Glenn <laughs> in one of those two. Yeah. So, okay. So, and then, uh, yeah. And then one more episode uh, where they're all sitting around the campfire talking for the whole uh, for the whole episode. That'll eat up the last one until uh, the mid-season finale. Well, they could do that. Or, or we get two more where we kind of go back and then we have one episode finally where we move forward after the first day and introduce some new stuff that gets set up for the second half of the season. Or we get an Aaron flashback, find out what's uh, what where he came from and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's uh there's all kinds of things that could happen. So this might be the least amount of time uh over the most number of episodes we've ever had. It could be. I mean, I don't know. I'd have to go back and rewatch from the beginning, but yeah, we'll uh, go back and watch it uh like three or four times. Uh, you know, one time just uh, tracking time yeah. and another time just uh, making notes on everybody's dialogue to see how that comes up again. Uh-huh. So yeah, do that uh, Do that for next week. Would you mind? I'll try. I'll get on that. I don't have anything else to do. Yeah, of course not. So next we have Matt in Catterick, Yorkshire, UK. At the end of the episode when Deanna is walking along the walls and we see the blood you guys said looked like it was seeping through the crack in the wall, indicating a weakness was forming. To me, it looked like the blood was dripping down onto it from above. Not sure what that would have meant, though. Maybe someone or something is bleeding out, uh, out on one of the observation platforms above. So if somebody's died up there, then they could be bleeding down on the wall. It's true. I mean, if... Uh... Zombies don't seem like they bleed much, but I guess they could have, they have blood all over them sometimes. So if there's a zombie up there, he could be bleeding down on the wall. Or the alpha wolf got out, killed Spencer, and is about to open the gate. Yeah. And that's Spencer bleeding, but there'd probably be... No, maybe that's Eugene bleeding to death up there because the alpha wolf got out and, uh, and killed him. Damn it, man. And so now the uh, now the gate is going to be open. If it was Spencer, there'd, there'd be cracker crumbs dropping down too, probably, though. So it's not, I don't think it's him. So shit, I hope it's not Spencer. I mean, I hope it's not Eugene. <laughs> yeah, Spencer would be better. Yeah, I agree. If someone's going to die, like that guy that is guy. a prime candidate. Uh, anyways, it still kind of, to me, looked like it was coming through the wall. But, you know, maybe it was dark. Maybe, maybe not. All right, Travis in Ozark, Missouri writes... I am starting to have a problem with season six. Uh Uh-oh. 
It feels like this season was written to be consumed by binge-watching it instead of watching one episode every week. It's like the season of Arrested Development that was released on Netflix. Each episode of that season followed a different character through the events of the same day, much like The Walking Dead this season. It works really well for binge-watching, but gets bothersome on a weekly basis. I expect the rest of the season to play out in the same style, with simultaneous storylines that don't cover much time chronologically. And it may make me frustrated throughout the season, but I bet it will be a satisfying rewatch once the season is on disc or Netflix. All right, Travis. So I've got an assignment for you. Stop (laughs) watching the show until May and then watch them all and then get back to us. Well, actually, I cut a little bit out of Travis's email where he mentions that his friends are going to do that. They're going to stop watching it until it's available all at once. So... Uh, if 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 they do that, maybe let us know and convince them to listen to our podcast, Travis. Yeah. But also maybe, yeah, maybe Travis should do that and then do it. In fact, maybe everyone should do that. Not stop watching it, but go not, back. Not and, us. Not us, no. But at some point, go back and watch it all in a binge like we do with shows that are out on Netflix. It'll probably have a very different feel. Because, because the time isn't passing in the show and you sitting there on your couch for eight hours, I mean... Time isn't passing there either, so you know it might it might work hand in hand a little better. Yeah, or at least Travis, let us know what your friends think. Yeah, uh, that's at, what I was trying to say. At the end of it all, yeah, exactly. That'd be good. All right, next we have Chad in Minnesota. In my spare time, I've been rewatching The Walking Dead starting from season one. All the talk about the letter A has me on the lookout for it in early seasons. Well, I think I found one in Season 2, Episode 9, Trigger Finger. If you remember back to that episode, Rick, Glenn, and Herschel are holding out in a bar. Glenn heads to the back room to find a back door. As he comes up to the door, the doorknob starts to move. If you look close during the close-up shot of the white doorknob, you can just make out an A scratched into the white doorknob. I think there may be a bigger theme to the A mystery, and I'll be on the lookout for more of them. Okay, well, first of all, Chad, if you do watch everything, uh, keep track and let us know if there are more A's. And second of all, I went back here, too, and looked at this episode and looked at the doorknob, and there are definitely scratches on the doorknob that form the letter A. Hmm. Whether they are intentional or not, I have no way of knowing, because it's not like a little red painted A on the doorknob. It's definitely just scratches. And there are other scratches on the doorknob, too, so it could be just coincidental scratching that looks like the letter A. But it also could be you know, a deliberate A that has been injected into this show much sooner than we ever thought. That, uh, that could be, and I'll, I'll be on the lookout for any more A's. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, there could be lots more coming. I don't know, but Chad, if you see any more as you're rewatching, let us know. And somebody needs to start a walking dead, a database to keep track of all this. Yeah. So, All right, we got one more here, and I don't actually have anything to read (laughs) or play from Daniel in Germany. Sweet. Um, But I wanted to mention him because he sent us a voice message, but something was wrong and the quality was terrible, so uh, I didn't think it was worth playing. But the point he wanted to make is in um, response to us talking during the recap on Monday about how um, Jesse approached that house after not really seeing anything in the window, and then there was a zombie in the window. There yep. was zombie Betsy. Um, but apparently 
he detected some actual movement in the window which caught her attention. Oh. So I didn't see it, but in this case, I didn't have time yet to go back and take a look. But apparently it was there. And uh, so it wasn't just her, you know, weirdly walking up to a house because she sensed <laughs> sensed that something was there. Yeah. And zombie spider senses are going. Yeah, exactly. I just thought I wanted to bring that up. And uh, Daniel, I don't know what went wrong with the message thing, but that stupid thing is annoying me. So uh, if you um, if you use it again, please try again. And I hope it comes through clearer this time. All right. That's all our feedback. Now, Jason, we're going to do something special here. We're going to end the show, but I have a couple more things for sort of after the end that are much more spoilery. Okay. That I want to talk about briefly. So if you are totally adverse to spoilers, then you might want to, uh, you know, hear the end music and turn us off um, because we are going to talk about something that is very comic spoilery and uh, then one more thing as well. So, you know, if you don't want to hear that, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. But if you do, then stick with us after uh, for a few minutes just to hear those. Um, but, uh, we'll, we'll go through the ending here. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at talking dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead. And, uh, as I was just talking about, you can go to our website, talkingdeadpodcast.com to send us a voicemail. Hopefully it works okay for you. Um, it's weird. Some people's messages come through crystal clear beautifully and others aren't working so well. So, I don't know. Um, but in any case, try it out. Use it. We do love to get the voicemails. And uh, if you don't stick around, we'll be back on Monday when we recap the next episode of The Walking Dead. And if you want to read the title of the sh- the, that episode, make sure you do. Record yourself reading it and send it in, and we'll play some title reads before we recap that one. It's always fun to hear those. Uh, finally, make sure you use our Amazon link at talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon when you do all your Black Friday or holiday shopping. That would make us very, very happy. So please visit talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon to do that. And I think that is all for now. So until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye. Okay, and we're back for our brief spoiler discussion at the end here. So I've got an email, Jason, mm-hmm. from Carl on the internet. And then we've got some casting news I want to talk about just for a minute. But awesome. uh, Carl's email here is rather spoilery for the comic um, and, you know, speculates that something in the comic is going to happen on the show that we kind of hinted at earlier in this episode, but never really said. So Carl writes... Boy, is Rick going to feel bad when it's his training that sees Carl lose his eye to that little shit Ron. I love that this is going the way of the comics. I just hope to God that the producers keep the gore in. We see Carl lose his eye, and we see Jesse sacrificed by Rick for his own benefit. Wow. So, sorry, man, I don't even, I can't even remember if you are up to this point in the comics. This point, I was, uh, yes, this happens before issue 100, so I knew that this happens. Okay. And when we were hinting at it before, I knew what we were talking about. So uh, I, I don't think it was spoilery. I think that if you knew 
that uh, this was going to, that this happened in the comic book, you recognized what we were saying. But if you didn't know uh, that this was going to happen, ours what we were saying was just pure and utter speculation. Yes. But, uh, so yes, I am aware. Uh, I personally am aware that this this happens in the uh, in the comic book. Yeah. So I feel like this is probably a pretty good or a pretty good guess about where things are going here. It is. You and uh, Dr. Kissy Face, I think, is going to be very important in uh, saving Carl. Yes. We can we can figure out her actual name, right? We don't have to it's keep... It's Denise Cloyd. Dr. Denise Cloyd. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> but Dr. Dr. Kissy, Kissy Face just kind of stuck, sticks. Well, the, earlier it was Dr. Smoochy Face, I think. Uh, oh, Smoochy Face. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, um, yes. I think what's going to happen here is basically just as Carl on the internet describes, you know, Rick trains Ron to use a gun. That gun is then used to shoot Carl's eye out. You'll shoot your eye out. Yeah. And Dr. Cloyd saves Carl. Um, but in the comic, uh, you know, Jesse is grabbed by a zombie and she's got her other hand on Carl, if I'm not mistaken. And Rick lops off her hand and lets the zombies take her to save his son. So this is why I'm talking about this is really comic spoilery. That's a huge scene in the comic, right? That's going to be excellent. And like they, they, I feel like they're going that direction in the show. They're setting up a relationship between uh, Rick and Jesse. They're setting up this, uh, this disgruntled son. They're setting up the son learning how to use a gun. It's all coming together. And Carl, Rick is going to have to choose between his son and his love interest. Yeah. I, and I think uh, I think Rick is cursed because everyone he has a relationship with that isn't direct blood family dies. Lori, Shane. Uh, so I think that it's, the fact that he's getting into uh, into a relationship here means that uh, she's pretty much doomed. Yeah, I mean, you could argue he has a relationship with everybody on the show, but I know what you mean, like a a personal, uh, a personal intimate-ish relationship, right? Yeah. Yeah. So with his wife, his best friend, things like that. Who slept with his wife. Who slept with his wife. Yeah, there's that yeah. too. Uh, so I think you're on So they've had Carl. sex by proxy. Yes, because <laughs> everyone you've had sex with, you've had sex with all their partners. They used to teach us in high school, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so there it is. It's an intimate relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so then the one other thing I have here is that Negan, the character from the comic, has been officially cast... I think this is good. So you know who it is? I do know who this is. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah. You will know him from such movies as Watchmen, where he played the comedian. The comedian, yeah. He's also in uh, The Good Wife as the new investigator after Kalinda left. Oh. This I know, because I watched The Good Wife, and so does my wife. I've heard The Good Wife is amazing, but I've never watched it. It's a good show. Yeah, well, I've heard like it's amazing. There's like five seasons show. on Netflix. You should get on board. No, I, I definitely uh, want to, but I just haven't got around to it. It's one of those shows where there's a lot of seasons, so it's very daunting to start at the beginning. And there's 22 episodes per season. There's a lot of information there that you got to get through. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I mean. Like there is a lot. There's just a lot of stuff. It was. I felt the same way with Dexter because we started watching Dexter when there was when they were like into their last season already. 
And that right. was season seven or eight. So that was yeah. a lot to catch up on. But Jeff- so th- this is a procedural dra- drama, right? It's a uh, it's a courtroom drama kind of thing. There's a, there's an overarching storyline or multiple overarching storylines, but it's not like Dexter or Game of Thrones or anything like that, or even The Walking Dead, really, where there's one major plot line which everything revolves around. This is a procedural show that you can watch on a weekly basis, and you you know you can skip a show here and there, and you'll be able to pick up what's going on. Sure, but I just don't do that. If I'm going to watch something, I don't skip a show. Right. Well, maybe, you know, you're, uh, you know, Christy, if you're watching with Christina and uh, she wants to watch a couple of episodes while you're podcasting, you know, that's fine. You can get caught up. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but see, I, I have that problem. We'll get back to Jeffrey Dean Morgan in a second. But I had that problem with season two, I think, of Orange is the New Black. I thought the first season was great and I didn't like season two at all. So we stopped watching it halfway through. Somebody came back and told me season three is amazing and that you can easily ignore season two and start at season three and you'll you'll be just fine and you'll be watching the good stuff and you'll be skipping the bad stuff. But I just can't do it. I just can't bring myself to like start in the middle of a show because I feel like that's not giving it a fair shake. We watched the first two seasons of Orange is the New Black, loved it, and then watched the first episode or two episodes of the third season and just dropped it. Well, I didn't like season two of that show, so I dropped it in the middle. But if I ever do go back to it, I will go back to where I left off. Yeah. Because that's okay. just the kind of person I am. But All just, right, so Jeffrey Dean Morgan. So Good casting. I think he's going to be uh, – he's got a perfect look for it. And I think from what I've – limited, limitedly what I've seen in The Watchmen and The Good Wife, I think he's going to be uh, – he's a good actor. I think he's fantastic. I love the guy. Um, I really, really enjoy The Watchmen movie, and I think he was great in it. Um, he's also been in, um, there was something else. Oh, Grey's Anatomy, which I'd never seen, but I know a lot of people are really, really into. He was on Supernatural, which I have seen a couple episodes of. Um, and he's been around forever. So just doing all kinds of good stuff, or at least since the early nineties. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's forever, right? Yeah. Um, for a lot of people. For a lot of people, but he's done plenty of movies. He's going to be in the upcoming Batman versus Superman, the Dawn of Justice movie. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's what's, got, what's his character? Tom, Thomas Wayne. I assume oh. he's related to Bruce Wayne. I would assume. Yeah. What's uh, Bruce Wayne's dad's name? Is that Thomas? Probably, to be honest. So it's gonna be it's gonna be Bruce Wayne's dad. He's Tom, gonna get shot right at Tom Wayne. Oh, sorry, spoiler alert. He's gonna get shot. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey man, it's not the first time he will have gotten shot in something. Oh, well, he gets shot in every Batman movie. Yeah. So I think Jeffrey D. Morgan is great. I think he's gonna make a pretty good Negan. And IMDB has him listed for season six, episode sixteen. That would be the last oh, one of the season. Oh, okay. So they bring him in right at the end. Yeah, now the inaccurate movie database can be all over the place with information like this, but they've got him listed in just the one episode so far. And uh, so it could be, it could be right. Maybe he'll show up in the, in at the end of this year and wreak some havoc. Because be that's what Negan does. So anyways, uh, that was it. I just wanted to uh, bring up those two things here after the end of the show, just in case... Uh, anyone considered them significantly spoilerific. Um, all right. Anything else, Jason? Not from me. All right. We'll be back. We'll see you on Monday, everybody, when we recap the next episode. Thanks for listening. All right. Bye.